Fish Traps Unfiltered, episode 19. As always, joined by my co-host, Isaac Azut. Isaac, episode 19, what's up, man? Chilling like a villain, man. We're recording this on May 19th, an off day. Marlins just finished up their series with the Washington Nationals, and they, we will soon be facing the Atlanta Braves. So very excited for this interview as well. Yeah, so we aren't we aren't going to recap the National Series. You guys, that'll be done tomorrow on Fish – well, tomorrow for us on Fish Stripes Live. You would have listened to that by now. So um, make sure to check that out if you haven't so done. But I want to talk about, I guess, the, the breaking news that happened – or technically breaking news, the Max Meyer news that he went on the minor league IL. Your thoughts on that? I mean, he had some really bad starts. The last two starts, I think he gave up eight earned runs in one and then four in the other one. I think this was broken by uh, Jordan McPherson. There it is. Yep. He will be re-evaluated. Re- re- the organization does not believe it has to be serious. So I guess that's a little bit of an explanation to his um, bad two starts. Yeah, exactly. It is um, an ulnar nerve irritation. or Like you said, organization doesn't believe it to be a serious injury. But yeah, you know, people were concerned with the lack of effectiveness he's had his last two starts he faced the brewers minor league affiliate his first bad start which is i guess 10 days ago and i think it was two nights ago where he just got lit up for i think it was eight and runs his era jumped from the mid ones all the way to the fours so this you know hopefully explains his lack of performance and hopefully he'll be back you know within he won't miss too many starts maybe two two to three starts at most yeah so any plans of him being a marlin an official marlin on the major league roster this weekend in Atlanta is completely off the books, so uh, we'll, we'll be getting some more Eliezer Hernandez action in the next couple of weeks. Um, so the next thing I wanted to get to the the pitching rotation itself. You know they they're getting it back together. Sandy had one of his best starts of the season against Washington. Pablo did have a rough start, but Trevor against um, the Brewers had an, an incredible start that I think got just derailed completely by that that one run loss i think it was another one run loss for trevor so your thoughts on this pitching rotation as a whole so far now that you're getting it back together yeah man sandy you know he he was just just slightly off to begin the season but now you've seen him go back to his brilliant self that was vintage sandy and what we saw against washington retiring 20 straight batters just phenomenal performance by sandy and he was at i think 100 pitches flat after eight so he could have gone down and completed the game but it was an eight one ball game at that point no reason to. Pablo, Cy Young Award favorite as of right now. Him and Corbin Burns, one and two. I know he had a bit of a rough outing his last start, but, you know, those will happen. And Trevor Rogers looks to be getting back out there. I was speaking with um, Will Stoudemire Jr. on Tuesday it was. He was he had something good to say about each and every single one of those guys, and he told me that he, he'd be lying if he said that all five of those guys came out of spring training locked in. You know, it was a shortened spring. They didn't get as much time as they usually get. So like all five of them were exactly on their, you know, best shit, as he would say. So it's good to see them finally, you know, getting back to their normal form. Eliezer, you know, he Mel did mention him that he's got a lot of stuff to work on still. It's working on the two-seamer rather than just, a, you know, a flat four-seam fastball. The slider is always going to be there, so he's trying to work on that. And he was talking about Luzardo as well, just saying it's a shame that, you know, that little forearm injury, luckily it's not too serious. But he, once he's ready with the fastball a little bit more, he was telling me that he's got something else worked out for him for uh, for Lazaro to to work on. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, funny enough, you mentioned Mel uh, when Trevor got that start against. I forgot now. I forgot the player. It was Trevor. So I don't know against which team, but actually, it was that Milwaukee game, the Trevor game. I was there. Um, he mentioned it was the eight strikeout game. He mentioned Mel, you know, like a father figure to him, someone who he, 
he talks to a lot and relies on him big time. So, you know, that's how high a guy like Trevor himself thinks about Mel. And I wanted to go to Sandy's splits here quickly on May, on April and May. He had a pretty good, he had a really good April when you look at him in a 2 0, 1.78 ERA, 25 innings pitched, uh, 20 strikeouts. And compared to now his May, which is actually a little bit worse, but the team really hasn't given him that much run support when you look at it, when you look back into it. So, one and two, 3.20 ERA, 25 innings pitched, 22 strikeouts. So, he does have more strikeouts, but. There you can notice the similarities. I don't know if you have any last thing on the on the rotation itself. No, just that they are starting to just come to fruition as advertised. Sandy, the velocity is there. He's got 98, 99 in his back pocket whenever he needs it. He actually made an appearance, and I think it was MLB Now on MLB Network. So it's nice to, it's nice to see him get some national coverage as well. Okay, so we, start, we let's stay on the pitching rotation because, as you mentioned, Luzardo's out. And... Eliezer is a little bit uncertain how that's going to work. So they brought in Castano. He made an appearance yesterday for us. What you know, at the moment of the recording yesterday, he made a ninth inning uh, appearance. He allowed one run, which was the extra innings one, which you know it's extra innings. The man on second, horrible rule. But he had a pretty good ninth inning. He had what four pitches in one inning. So that's just a way to look at it. They brought up Cody Poti, who had a very nice outing for the Marlins on Tuesday. I want to say. So you were there. So talk to us a little bit about Poteet and, you know, if, if they're going to have to go with another pitcher, another TBD, if that should be Poteet. Yeah, I think definitely Poteet earned himself another start. He has just been nothing short of phenomenal all year long out of the bullpen. Like I wrote, he had given up one earned run in, I think it was 16 and a third his innings pitched. He's been great. That changeup has – and he also is someone that Mel mentioned. That changeup has really blossomed even more than it was last year and even in his – great career in the minors it's just really blossomed to a phenomenal pitch for him he's definitely earned another start i think is that my sure if he's lined up for sunday yet officially or monday no it's but sandy for sunday he'll get another start probably between sandy and pablo but yeah he looked really good and i, I after post game i was speaking to him he had a really bad blister on his thumb maddingly said it was a thumbnail thing but it was more of a blister which he had a problem with last year i think it was in boston where he, where that happened in 2021 so Hopefully that'll be fine, but if there's ever to be an injury with a pitcher, I'm, I'm glad it's a, it's of that nature. Yeah, so just to look at the line for Poteet, 4.2 innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts, didn't allow a home run. He had a .43 ERA, so that's amazing for Poteet. I definitely think he earns himself another spot. So with the rotation, how it looks right now, he would be lined up for Monday since it went Sandy, Poteet, and go so on and so forth. The last thing I want to touch up on is the bullpen. I mean, you know, I, I think it's become pretty evident that Anthony Bender has just been struggling mightily, as you, as we saw just last night. He gives up a run, uh, loads the bases, just just isn't looking good. Lane Thomas, 0 for 1 career against Bender. Infield way in. Oh, it got him. Hope Lane Thomas is okay. That's a tough way to get a run batted in. And the Nationals are on top four to three. Your thoughts on Anthony Bender and what's the solution to this? And I think we know, I think we, we'll both agree on this solution. I, I think they, they've been using him in lower leverage spots. They have. They use him in the sixth inning, I think on Tuesday, on the fifth inning, even on Tuesday. So they have been, you know, messing around with his, you know, the lever, high leverage and low leverage spots for him. But I, at this point, you got to consider sending him down and have him work on some stuff. There is a myriad of players in AA and AAA that are putting up phenomenal numbers out of the bullpen for Pensacola and Jacksonville. And Bender's just 
uh, yeah, I don't think he's had a one, two, three inning all year. So he's, you know, maybe one, but he struggled mightily, you know, since the sticky stuff last year. Like we mentioned this a million times. Second half of last season was pretty, you know, mid. And this season, it just hasn't been good at all. He hasn't been able to get it going. No control. He's walked in. He walked in a batter against Milwaukee, even though he sort of like did, you know, clean up the mess that Tanner Scott left him. Here, it was his own mess, and he hit a batter in, which is, you know, just as bad, if not worse. So it's been it's been tough for Anthony Bender. But the stuff is still there, and I think he'll be fine. Point. Uh, this is where we'll go now into our interview with Miami Marlins play-by-play and pregame show guy, Kyle Seeloff, also a Jeopardy contestant. So we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace out and go fish. We have Kyle Seeloff joining us. Kyle, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. Now, I'll take it to Isaac for the first question. Yeah, Kyle, just you know, for anyone that's listening, just sort of tell us about yourself, how you you know you came to this job. Uh, this is my tenth season. So ten years ago, I graduated in December of 2012 from the University of Miami. Uh, one of my good buddies, Chris Whittingham, who's with the Dan Leptard mm. Show now. Yeah, he, he and I were very close. He was the um, station manager, the you know the sports director for the student radio station at the time, and he texted me when I graduated. And he was like, "Hey, like the Marlins might be looking for uh, somebody to do the pregame show," and I'm like, "I guess I'll apply." I mean, you know, I'm like a 22 year old kid out of college. I can't imagine this is going to go extremely well. Um, but one thing led to another, and I got the internship, uh, and I've been fooling them for 10 years, guys. No, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Um, so let's move on to the baseball side. 2022 Miami Marlins, a lot more impressive than the past years for sure. So just want to get your overall thoughts, positive, negatives, any players that have stood out to you and your overall thoughts on the team. Uh, what is it? I mean, we're recording this on May 19th. Here's what I would say. They have not underperformed and they have, they have not exceeded my expectations they're hovering around 500 there have been gettable games they needed to win um there have been games that they won that maybe afterwards you're like nice you know you put five or ten of those like we got them in our back pockets every year um i think there's a long way to go i think it's 17 and 20 you can't let it get away from you um i was actually very disappointed in in the, the last game against the, the washington nationals you know i said pregame it's okay to be greedy. And sometimes you got sweet teams. Like that's a bad team. Like, you know, and we said it on the radio, you can't, you can't sugarcoat it and try to be nice. Like they're a bad team. They're rebuilding. They're bad. You got to take advantage of them. Now Miami's still five and one against them this season, right? You go five, 15 and four against those guys. It's a totally different tone. But anyway, I digress 17 and 20. There's obviously a long way to go. They've got to play better. The guys start hitting a little more. I, I, I think they're okay where they're at. I mean, the Mets seem to be kicking everybody's rear end. And if they need to beat you 2-1 to one or 9-8, to eight, they seem to be able to do that every single day. Phillies are just, I don't know, man. They're just kind of doing their thing. Be interesting to see what the Marlins can do against the Braves this weekend. But I'm thinking, like, big picture from that 10,000-foot view at 17-20. and 20, At some point, you got to get it going. You can't sputter for too much longer. Let's get it going. And I was actually looking at this yesterday. If you go and look at the schedule with the expanded playoffs this year, if you look in the middle of July, they've got like 10 of 13 games against like the Pirates and Reds. I was thinking to myself, they got a tough schedule. 
But if you can hover around 500 until right before the all-star break and coming out of it, and you go on a little run, you can find yourself five, six games over in the summer, right in the thick of things, which is exactly what I think they need to do. But look, pitching's been great. Jazz has been fantastic, right? And I would say this too. I could probably do this for an hour and you guys don't have to ask another question, but it just comes to me when I'm thinking about it. Everybody wants Jazz to play every day, okay? I think we all understand that. The reason Jazz is hitting 300, fellas, is because they're putting him in situations that are conducive to hitting 300. If they were running him out there every single day against righties and lefties, I promise you he's not hitting 300. And it's no knock on him, but analytically they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do. They're putting people in a position to succeed, which is why I think you're seeing a lot of that success. 3-2 to Jazz in the air. Well hit. Right center and deep. Thomas back at the wall. 3-3. Jazz Chisholm with his seventh of the season to tie it up. Anyways, they got to get it going a little bit more. I see Garcia and Soler. He had the he his back was a little cranky lately. Let's see what they could do. They got to find a way to hold down the ninth inning. Got to close out the final three outs of games. So maybe the back end of the bullpen needs a little something there. We'll see. We'll see. I think Anthony Baskett slide in there as good as he's been this year. My that guy has totally turned around. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. There's a long way to go. I'm not displeased where they're at, and I'm not overly enthused about the situation they're in 17 and 20 they're okay let's start winning some series yeah and i guess that's a good spot where we could go i mean the marlins made some a lot of movement during spring training like we could take it back a little bit there uh what were your thoughts on that initial roster you know they they brought in a sean armstrong when maybe they could have taken someone else in the minor leagues you know what were your thoughts on that initial roster and the roster movement so far this season how they've gone about that um I, I think it's kind of to be expected, kind of right, right kind of where it's at. Actually, I, I think I think when it's all said and done, you're going to look at the Tanner, Scott, and Cole Solcer moves and be very pleased by them. I know Scott has had some command issues. Cole Solcer has proven to be very, very serviceable um, late in games, which I think is extremely encouraging. Um, you know, position player-wise, yeah. You know what? What? What else? What else was kind of out there for them to do? For me, I, I think they kind of built it exactly how they wanted to, within reason. Yeah. I, I don't think you left spring training feeling like, holy cow! Like, how did they not fill that need? Right. I think needs were filled, and the roster was better than it was to end last season, which I think ultimately is every GM's goal: like, be better than you were at the end of last season. Um, now. We'll see, you know, like you see like a guy like Quintana crushing it in AAA. Like, do you clear a 40-man spot for a guy like that? Maybe. I don't know. Is it, will there eventually be a need? I don't think he comes up without a need. I think the same will be said for Lewin Diaz. Yeah. I'm going to be very curious to see what happens with him and Gerard Encarnacion, who just got that promotion. Yeah. Like, can those guys hit in the big leagues? Like, we don't know, but that's – is that a question that's going to be answered this season? I mean, I don't know. So there's a couple of names that are kind of encouraging down there and interesting to look at, but where they're at right now with no glaring injuries, um, looking forward to getting Wendell back at some point. I think I, I, people don't really like to hear this either. You take more time than you need there. Yeah. That hamstring lingers. He comes back five days too early because they feel like they need him and something goes. Now we really got a situation. Take as much time as you need to get it healthy. But, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with, with the way everything shaped up. Yeah. 
Uh, you mentioned um, Lorenzo Quintana. He's someone that reminds me of Yerman Mercedes. Remember him? He came sure. up, I think it was last year, and just demolished Major League Pitching. And he's someone that reminds me of a very short swing, you know, not a very athletic guy, not going to be a good catcher, but he could help any sort of lineup, whether it's starting or off the bench. That's sort of like you mentioned a couple of guys, Joar Encarnacion and Lewin Diaz. Of all the minor leaguers, you know, all those prospects, Blade is starting to get going a little bit. Peyton Burdick has been okay all year. Who are some of your, like, you know, real favorite prospects that are down on the farm? Well, I think everybody naturally wants to see J.J. Blade come up and be productive in the big leagues. I think he needs to prove that he can consistently be productive in the minor leagues before you just rush somebody up for the sake of rushing him up because you feel like he's been down there long enough. We're going to give him a shot in the big leagues. That can really monkey with somebody. Um, you know... I, I don't know. Like the, the, the Gerard Encarnacion, we were talking about him on the radio. Like yeah. I know like COVID really screwed everything up, but he's like, he was like three falls ago. He had a really good AFL season or something yeah. and he just didn't hear his name again. And now I feel like in the last like month and a half, and really if you've been paying, if you pay close attention, which I try to do as much as I can with kind of the minor league system, to me in the last couple of weeks, his name keeps popping up. He's hitting doubles and homers and stuff. That's just, that's just an intriguing one because a guy like that to me is almost like a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Like, you know, no, nobody you ever truly counted on. But what if that guy comes up and he's a productive major leaguer by necessity? Or the one thing you hope for if you're a GM is that some, these guys, if we're talking just position players, these guys hit their way to the big leagues. All right. You know, I mean, you hit your way to the big leagues, then we got, then we're, then we're cooking. You know, it, when guys start coming up out of necessity, you don't exactly know what you're going to get. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't know if there's, I, I would love to see Blade come up. I, I, I always, I always thought he was like that great Michael Conforto comp, you know, just a solid, solid big leaguer. And yeah. Hopefully he will be, he's got a hit. I mean, obviously he has been going through it now. He's picked it up a little bit lately, but he's really had a tough time in the minor leagues if we're being honest. Um, and the other, and the other one to me is Lewin Diaz. I mean, I think the guy's a big leaguer, but can he hit? Now, at some point, you have to find that out. I think he's already proved that his glove is good enough. Can he hit? The hard part there is the Marlins are not necessarily in a position in win-now mode trying to win every night. You can't afford to bring somebody up to see what you have. Right. Like You have to have conviction when you bring him up. If he comes up this season, that he's going to be a productive piece of the Major League team. Because if you're trying to win and you're hovering around 500 and you have aspirations of being good and potentially playing in the postseason, can't exactly see what you have in guys. You have to have a strong conviction that, you know what, this kid's either coming up because he's hitting his way up here or he's coming up and you, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's an interesting one. He's already got the glove. He already showed that. So, I don't know. It's kind of a tough question. I just think of those three guys off the top of my head, but who knows? Yeah, I forgot to change my username. I should probably clarify for anybody that's confused. Hi, I'm Eli. I run this stuff. <laughs> oh, that's perfect, Eric. But I, before this got away from the prospect talk, I did want to bring to people's attention that during the lockout, when talking to major league players wasn't exactly an option for you guys, you got creative rolled out a, whole, a lot of these prospect spotlight videos, mm -hmm. players that are younger and farther away from the big leagues. But I think what we were curious about is sitting down with those guys. There's a lot of content that was in the videos. I'm sure some that was left on the cutting room floor. What you learned about 
some of those young waves of players that included Joe Mack, it included Yidi Cape, Victor Mesa Jr., uh, Griffin Conine. Uh, right? Yeah, I'm curious like, when you recorded those videos over the offseason because it was really great stuff. And for people that hadn't seen it, I just want to give you an opportunity to uh, mention those again. It was a great yeah, I, I'm sure I'm sure they're still posted on the YouTube page, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. When did we do those? Okay, I know when we did them. After the season ended and they had the prospect camp at Lone Depot Park, I knocked out six or seven of those over the course of two days. Um, I love just chatting with those guys. Once the season kind of wraps up and you get an opportunity to chat with some of the prospects, I just enjoy that because you kind of get to know how they tick a little bit what they're all about. Like you get a really unique personality and a guy like Victor Mesa Jr. Uh, and then a more reserved guy like Bennett Hostetler, who at the time was converting to being a catcher. Um, I, you know, some of those guys are so young, my goodness, when are you going to see them? Right. Like uh, two or three years. Oh, Khalil Watson. There you go. Like, I mean, that's, you I mean, you think of a guy like Khalil, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's funny because like those six or seven guys I talked to, you could put them all into that. You could group them into that bunch where it's like maybe four years, right? Maybe three years that it was a group of guys where you could see really coming up together. If they all meet a certain, uh, the organization's expectation, you know, I mean, if they, if they're not good in the minor leagues, it is what it is. But if those guys perform to the standard that the organization believes they can, Probably some of these kids, some of these guys, you see them in three or four years, maybe all together. I know it always seems like they're really long ways away. Uh, and then time absolutely flies and you're like, holy cow, you know, Khalil Watson or Joe Max already in the big leagues are making their debut. But that was fun. Yeah, we did that over the course of a couple of days uh, at, at the ballpark. Yeah, yeah. you Go mentioned ahead. some of those you mentioned some of those guys. You mentioned Gerard Encarnacion and Lewin Diaz specifically, how great it would be to just see what they can do in the big leagues. The Marlins are really congested at that first HDH spot, you know, with Cooper and Aggie, both of them performing really well. Mm-hmm. You know, Solaire DHing sometimes. You have a lot of moving pieces. If let's say you were in Kimming's shoes, how would you sort of fake not fix it because it's not broken, obviously, but just sort of you know trying to bring up open up a spot for a guy like Gerard, who is someone could say major league ready. Lewin Diaz, obviously, you know, ready to test major league waters. How would you sort of accomplish that goal of getting them at bats? Well, I would take that a couple of different ways, Isaac. And I think I think people get very um, – they get tunnel vision on, like, how are you getting your prospects up here. Right. If your prospects are really good and you have a need in the big leagues and there's a log jam position, trade them. Trade for another major league talent. You know, fill needs on your roster through trading guys. And I'm not suggesting that Lewin Diaz needs to be traded or Gerard Encarnacion needs to be traded. But what I am saying – is if come July, the Marlins are still in it, maybe no. hovering around 500. And Aguilar, who you know is in a contract year, so they might not have him next year. But look, here's the deal. If you're trying to win and there's a team that is totally out of it and they stink and they've got some big leaguers and you have a need, trade some of these guys. No. Trade them. I know, I know it works people up, but not every single minor league top 30 guy you have is going to be on your big league roster at some point. But you can utilize assets. They're assets. They really are. They're assets to you and your organization, whether you want them in the big leagues or not. And again, I'm not suggesting that they like have to be traded. But to me, just the way I see it, and you kind of see the way other teams operate, if you have a position that you feel like is pretty loaded and you feel very confident about you, what you have there and how you're going to entertain that moving forward, and there's a young kid who's knocking on the door, but there might, the team might like him, and that particular team could fill the need that you have on your big league roster at the time, 
let's go. It's time to win, boys. You know, let's win. Yeah, and you mentioned that because in the offseason, they sort of did that. They did deal from excess. They deal, They dealt some outfielders. They Heck dealt yeah. some pitchers for their catcher, for their you know, for their outfielders. They did deal from a, from a position of strength. Wendell, Stallings. All outfielders, and Cal Nicholas was traded. Uh, Zach Thompson was traded. So, you know, they felt that they felt comfort to trade, you know, out the positions of strength were, you know, outfield and starting pitching. Yeah. If they are, like, it, like you said, relevant in July, they can't stop now. You know, absolutely trade from the first base, first base step because you think that's what's sure. next. Sure. Who knows? I mean, you know, I'm, you know, a lot of people thought maybe there could be a big splash if they were to trade a Max Meyer or something, but you know, yeah. what? If you can probably hold on to guys like that unless you get something that you can't refuse. Yeah. But I, I think every general manager within reason is open-minded about any prospect that they have. If somebody's willing to overpay and you're in your, and you can confidently part with minor league top talent and you're bringing back major league baseball players in return, it's literally your only goal. Yeah. You have to win in the major leagues. Great organizations develop from within great organizations find a way to trade from within and continue to build that prospect farm while improving the big league team. It's, it's hard as heck. We all get that, but the Marlins are in a position where you see where they are now. They're winning games. They're not uncompetitive. They have what it takes to win games. And I truly believe this organization within reason is going to do whatever they possibly can to get this theme in a position where if we do this again on September 1st, Marlins have a chance. Maybe they're three out. Maybe they're two out. Who knows where they are? But I think they're going to continue to try to improve this team. Yeah, and, and I'm someone who's who goes by, you know, you always need to have your best hitters on the field and your best pitching on the field. If your best hitting comes from the minor leagues and there's a player struggling on the major league roster, I think you have to make something happen on that end especially because – there's some guys in the minor leagues that are raking, as we mentioned, Gerard, you know, Lewin. Charles LeBlanc is another one, but I think that position's a little bit log jammed as well. But, you know, let's move on a little bit to Braves versus Marlins. This is being recorded once again on May 19th. So the Marlins are playing the Braves tomorrow for us, which would be May 20th. So let's preview that series a little bit, Marlins against Braves. Um, so we do something on Fish Stripes Live called the Series Prediction. So yeah. we, we want to get your prediction on how many games the Marlins will win and the series MVP. So this series MVP could be on the Marlins side, the Braves side. It could be a reliever, pitcher, or position player, whoever you want from either side. And just to be clear, though, MVP is chosen from a stat win probability added. For example, last series, Eli you know, somehow guessed that Eric Gonzalez would be the MVP of that series, just edging out Jazz Chisholm, win probability added, based on that. Um, Kyle? What? Uh, okay. <laughs> that was a great what? face. Great faces. What? Win prob. All right, hold on. Let's backtrack. I think the Braves are an extremely good team. I think just like saying they're going to sweep him is a little ridiculous, but I think Miami, in terms of the way that this rotation lines up this weekend, Rodgers and Morton, let's see, Hernandez and Kyle Wright and Anderson yeah. and Alcantara. Yes. Um, win two of three. You got two of your horses on the mound win two games like that's what people think i'm crazy but i say it all the time when you have this type of rotation win the game take two of three i understand it's harder than that but if you are this good their starting staff is this good they're gonna throw up clunkers once in a while the expectation going into every series when you've got two or three of your best pitchers going you have to win two of three when you play bad teams like the nationals you gotta sweep them 
You're not going to do it all year. But what did I come back to? Find a way to be 15 and four, 14 and five against those guys at the end of the year. Now, two of three. Now, what is the win probability thing? What am I guessing? You're picking a series MVP. Um, any player, presumably on the Marlins, it could be on the Braves, but usually on the Marlins that you think is going to have a good series and just most importantly, like come through when it matters most. That's that's usually that's what decides the factor in terms of who actually gets uh, win probability added value. Jesus Sanchez. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, so are there any guys up for the Braves this weekend? I'm sorry, you mentioned it was Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright. Oh, Kyle Wright's gonna be tough, man. He is very good. He's been really good. Charlie Morrison. No, no right, no lefty. So, yeah, good, good guess. I'll, I'll go with you on that one. All right. So, since Isaac and I won't be on the stream, let's go to Isaac for your serious prediction and MVP. Yes, Kyle is gonna be fortunate enough to have me annoying him tomorrow. I'll be at the ballpark covering. Coming the right. first one of the series, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with them. I'm gonna I'm always a little bit optimistic. Obviously, my realistic brain is saying the Marlins are gonna lose two out of three, maybe even get swept. But with Sandy pitching on a Sunday at home, you know that's his bread and butter. Charlie Morton, Jazz has gotten him a few times, and so I'm gonna go Marlins win two out of three. I think they win, they lose the middle game, and they win two out of three. And I'm gonna go. With, I know it's a popular vote, but Jazz Chisholm Jr. He's gone, Charlie. And there's three righties on the mound, Kyle Wright, Ian Anderson, both of those guys Miami has faced in the postseason. So I'm going to go with two out of three for Miami. Jesters and Jr. is my most valuable player. Yeah, this is a MVP, old. best player in the league. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is definitely a must-win series for the Marlins. They got the, they got the edge over the Braves last time in the series. They took two out of three against them. Played extremely well in Truist Park. It's what it's called now, I hope. And um, so I think Miami does take two out of three. They win the Trevor start. They win the Sandy start. Uh, I just don't see them winning that Eliezer start. In series MVP, I'm going to go Jorge Soler. It's Cuban Heritage Night on Saturday. I think he'll get the juices flowing up for him a little bit more. Hopefully he's healthy enough to play. He's been dealing with some back issues, I think, since for a couple days now it's been. So um, let's move on to the next topic. Isaac, take it away. Well, yeah, no, Kyle, obviously you've been doing this for quite a while and just obviously craziest, wackiest moment so far that, you know, ask the manager of broadcasting for the Miami Marlins. What's like the funniest thing, whether it happened in the in the booth or whether it happened on the field or just favorite moment, baseball moment that happened on the field? Just what are some moments that stood out to you so far in your in your career? Mm, funny or craziest or the weirdest? Memorable, perhaps. Well, memorable. The first thing that comes to mind would be D. Gordon's home run after Jose died. That yes. seems that's like uh that's that's probably that's that's a layup. Yeah. That's an uncontested layup, fellas. Um crazy or wacky. Um I don't know, man. What is crazy or wacky? Uh the Philly fanatic came in and silly strung me all over the place in Philadelphia on my birthday, like four years ago, that Glenn and John Eric set up mm. like that. But that was kind of wild. That big fluffy green thing coming in and just spraying me with an entire can of silly string was kind of weird. Was it true that you took on the freeze in Atlanta? I want to know this. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what should I say? Okay. The, the that truth, you, was it? The truth fellas is that, that wasn't me. I, oh, I knew it wasn't you. <laughs> but, but we're trying to line it up for September. Let's do it. Okay. You have to. Oh, you, we need this. you truly this believe you can beat the freeze with that head start. Would you beat the freeze? 
I think so. If I get the if, if he gives me the correct, the proper headway, yeah, yes, I will beat him. Okay, good. Are Kevin? Are we going to go through Q and A or are we going to go? Yes, Q and A time, and then we'll go to the final question. Apparently, we have a couple of Twitter users that have a couple of questions for you. Funny Here's enough, one. this isn't on the screenshot, but Glenn Geffner right now just replied to the tweet saying, I have say? a few questions. He said, I have a few questions, dot, dot, dot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, so I guess, yeah, yeah, Noah so Noah's, Noah's question was already answered. Um, So I'll go to Romeo here, and then we'll go to Navier. Uh, what to do with Sixto Sanchez? Uh, he, he, he's been recovering for a while now. Uh, I think he's throwing 90 feet at the moment. He was with the Marlins in 2020 through a playoff game. Just want to remind people that he, he threw a playoff game, game two, to win it and send the Marlins to the NLDS against the Braves. And he was pretty solid in that 2020 season. So uh, we'll go to Kyle and then Isaac. Six, though? Yes. To me, he's a non-factor until he proves he's healthy. Okay. And that, like, number one, he has to get healthy, get on a mound. And then go get innings in either double A or triple A. I guess conceivably you could see him this summer, maybe sometime after the All Star break. But I mean, he has to go down to the minor leagues and prove that he can get guys out. Right. Like Sixto Sanchez doesn't get a meal ticket back to the big leagues because he was a highly touted prospect yep. and he's got a cool name and he pitched a playoff game for the Marlins two years ago. Like, again, that's just not the situation they're in. Like he has to be competitive and get guys out because nobody wants to see him and he doesn't need to be up here if he's going to be wild, erratic all over the place and can't get anybody out. I mean, to me, that's just the truth. Sixto gets healthy. He hasn't been healthy for two years. If he proves he's healthy and he's going down there and shoving in double A or triple A, come on up, brother. (laughs) You you know, here's your, here's your flight number back to Miami and you're coming back to the big leagues. But the Marlins right now are not in a position to be like, yeah, yeah, we oh here. Come on, you know, no, 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 no. They're trying to win. So with six, though, I think it would be awesome to see him back in the big leagues. He's got a long way to go, and he's got a lot to prove to people before he convinces them he deserves to be back here. Yeah, I I love your terminology for that. A non-factor is the perfect way to describe it. You know, we don't even know how much he's into it personally. He's doesn't he hasn't been like you said he hasn't been healthy in two years. He has a long way to go. People ask me on the streets, oh, what about six? He's gonna be a top prospect. He's gonna he's in your rotation, right? I'm like, yo, he. I wouldn't even bet on him for till 2023, and that's even optimistic for me. He's got a long way to go. I feel like he's been at this, you know, feet increments of throwing for it feels like forever. So I'm with you, man. It's unfortunately, it's uh, especially with all the pitchers that are major league ready, like Edward and Max Meyer, just breaking on the door. He's really fallen on the depth charts for this Miami starting rotation. So now here's what I do know: I have been told, and I have seen firsthand, his work ethic has Improved. increased substantially. He wants to be back in the big leagues. He wants to be a part of the Miami Marlins rotation, the bullpen, closing, I don't know, whatever role that they seem fit for a guy that's had shoulder issues, the work ethic is there. But he's got to recover from multiple injuries here. Right. Right. If it hasn't been one thing, it's been another the last two years. And, again, he's in a throwing progression. He's not on a mound. Then you got to go get your innings. you got to make rehab starts. There's a lot. And he was option, remember. So it's not like he's going to be making rehab start to the anticipation of when his rehab stint is over, he's going to be activated and reinstated right to the big leagues. Like, no, like he's got to prove. And like you said, you mentioned some of these guys like Meyer or Cabrera or whoever, 
you know, this guy's knocking on the door. Sixto's not getting a free pass to the big leagues because he's been here before, which is great. There should be that competitiveness. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. what makes a good team. And remember, the last taste in his mouth of Major League Baseball was not a good one. He nope. the, Braves Braves game, the Braves absolutely demolished him. He was, you know, taken out of, I think it was two innings, three innings maybe. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Kyle. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned um, that Sixto, you know, about the work ethic. That's the first yeah. thing I was going to go at him for, that, you know, he wasn't showing too much work ethic. Um, just seemed like he was on Instagram having a good time. But, um, you know. Yeah. You know, you yeah. see that with guys. But I, from what I understand and from what I saw him this spring, he's working hard to get back. He genuinely wants to be back in the big leagues. Now, will he ever make it back? Who, Who knows, fellas? Who knows? Yeah. There's a long way to go. Yeah, and I was and I was I was there. I saw I saw him for a split second when I up in Jupiter when I went that time I covered. But um, you know, Sixto, full full you know fully healthy Sixto that's on rehab starts could be a scary sight. And and you know, you mentioned Eater. You not Eater. Eater is another one. Eater yeah. Meyer Yuri, who's who's now double A at 19 years old, which is just crazy. Uh, Edward Cabrera. There's all these guys. Putting pressure on Sixto pretty much when he's fully healthy, I wouldn't mind seeing Sixto in the bullpen. I really wouldn't in a late game situation. Having sure. him just take out the final nine guys, not closer situation. That guy could throw the whole the ball hard. You know, Sixto's a really good pitcher at full strength. So let's move on to the next. He'd have question. to prove he could get the yeah. final three outs of a game. But yeah. if they th- if they think the best opportunity for him to stay healthy and be productive in the mid- big leagues is to bring him up and turn him loose and get three outs every couple of nights in the sixth or seventh inning, he ain't going to be the closer. But, you know, if, if he can throw 95 to 100 with a wipeout breaking ball and a changeup or whatever, and he, you can turn him loose for 15 or 20 pitches every couple of days, well, maybe you got something there. But, yeah, whatever. We'll see. All righty. Next question. If we could put that back up. It's from Navi from Ooh. Marlins Discord. When should Donnie, the FO, give up the front on office. Miggy Rowe? The front office, yeah. <laughs> give up on Miggy Rowe. So I'll, I'll go to Kyle, then Isaac, and I'll give my I, spiel. I, I, I know he's not off to a great start, but look what he's done the last couple of days. Yeah. Like, yeah. Guys have a track record for a reason. Miggy's not getting any younger, but he's still a professional who can hit the ball the other way and field the ball. Has he lost a quarter of a step everywhere at short, maybe running? I don't know, Maybe. But he can still hit the ball the other way. What, what's what's the other option? Jazz ain't going to shortstop. Do people want to say Anderson at third and Wendell at short? Yes. I, that would be that would be my my perfect world would be a platoon at short with Wendell and Mickey Rowe. Mickey Rowe crushes lefties. Obviously, this year a little bit of a different story, but historically it's crushed lefties. Wendell crushes righties. You'd be losing some defense at short with Wendell, but you know what? They're sacrificing defense all over the place. Why not in the infield as well? Brian Anderson is proving he needs to play every single day. To me, that's a perfect situation. Now, okay. Do I agree that? Um, and what am I? Who am I kidding? They're already platooning within reason. Miggy, Miggy's not necessarily playing every day. He is now because Wendell's right. right. But they, but they have utilized every single one of these guys in what they believe is the most advantageous situation to let them be productive. They've done that all season long, and everybody understands that. Now, I think the question's ridiculous. Like, when are you going to give up on them? No, yeah, it's like, was- like a two-year, ten million dollar deal or whatever. Like. I mean, I guess you can cut bait with a guy that like has a proven track record, but that's a very risky proposition. I'm not doing anything with Miggy. I'm going to put him in the best possible position to succeed. 
Uh, you're not always healthy. Miggy's probably going to go out there 120 games, 130 times this year. If he can stay healthy, water finds its level. Miggy will be just fine. Look, dude, and he played that great play against the Nationals last night, sliding to his right. Like, people are like, well, he can't play defense. When me can't play defense, watch him. Like, he made a great play, sliding popped up, and in one fluid motion through to first. Like, Miguel Rojas is okay. Just let him be. He will be just fine. I think he's extremely relevant for this team. No, that was a hell of a play, and that's a perfect – I think he's the perfect, like I said, off-the-bench bat, make some starts, a lot of starts, and maybe even a defensive replacement. I think there's definitely a role for him on this team. Sure. I think yeah. the point that Navi was making is that, hey, maybe his days of starting every day, no matter who's pitching, might be numbered, but he is, you know – so and they were, they were exactly when everybody was healthy, those guys were platooning, exactly, exactly. And Brian Anderson showing that he's really good again makes it even you know, it's, it's a great problem to have. This is a problem that Miami really hasn't had before, where they have you know, three guys for two positions on the left side of the infield, they have three guys for the right side of the infield, and they're all good. And this is really a great sight to see because before you'd have Devin Marrero and Isan Diaz playing, and here you are with Wendell or coming off the bench sometimes. So, it's definitely a great situation for this team, and it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned, you know, a guy like Marrero and Isan because, you know, one of the biggest improvements the Marlins made this offseason was upgrading that bench. Now you have a bench of Payne Henry, De La Cruz, you know, you, you have Joey Wendell slash Miguel Rojas. That, that's a pretty good bench when you look at it. So, uh, you know, Miggy Rowe has never doubted me when it comes to defense. I love Miggy Rowe on the defensive end. He, he's incredible. You know, he, he was a gold, he, he's a gold glove candidate, not candidate, but he, he's a gold glove caliber defensive player at short. Um, and the bat this season has been very slow. I, I will say it's been very slow. You know, he hasn't gotten it going as quickly as everyone, you know, saw him either in 2020 or 2021, but he's going to get it going. I think he'll get it going very soon. Uh, he just has to get adjusted, you know, very short spring training. A lot of these guys have gotten off to slow starts because of that short spring training, which did not benefit many. So, uh, we have, I think one final question and funny enough, it's from Glenn who, yep, there it is. Glenn Geffner asked, what's it like being Ted Lasso's assistant coach? Ah, it's good. Did you guys watch Ted Lasso? No, no. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. Oh, I'm so you lying. guys are like, what is this weirdo asking? Nobody. Has no, I, I, I know of it. I, I didn't watch yeah. it. Yeah, I, I know of it. Coach I, Beard. I, I guess I look like him. I think that's flattering. I don't know. He was an all right looking dude, like a five out of ten. So, I, I, yeah, I'm probably like, yeah, whatever. I'm just a normal looking human being. Uh, great. It's, it's great to be his assistant coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think our own Daniel Rodriguez actually uh, when did Halloween as Ted Lasso one year, so I, I know of the of the story. Manny dressed up as Ted Lasso this this Halloween, I'm pretty sure. But by the way, Miggy Rowe has a hit in eight of his last ten games. Uh, two of them being multiple hit games. Two nights ago, he went three for four. If this thing would load, I would tell you what he's hitting in his last ten games because he's like it's starting. He's he's oh, gone in his last ten. Listen, fellas. In his last 10 games, he's hitting 297 with an on-base percentage of 333. His average has gone from 177 to 214. So everybody, park it. Just cool it. Yep, I'm, I was just getting the numbers for you. He has been hot as of late, and I was at the game on Tuesday night where he homered, and he had a three-hit game, a double, and he had another RBI double that he came previous, I think, uh, one down the line. So he's been heating up. It's good to see it. And like I said, he's definitely got a role, but I guess how much? will be determined on based on Wendell and Anderson's continued health and performance. Exactly. And Wendell has performed. That's the thing. Wendell's performed big time. You know, he was one of the best, one of the hottest hitters, one of the best hitters on the Marlins went before his injury. I think he had one of the highest batting averages as well. So 
that's definitely one. Isaac, I think you have one last question. Yeah, for last question for you, Kyle. I know we got a bunch of South Florida sports to get to. Miami Heat. 1-1. One, one. Panthers, Lightning, 1-1. One, one. Second period's wrapping up. Go ahead. Alrighty. We're going to get this one really quick. Last question. You're obviously, you know, the epitome of what someone who would study journalism broadcasting would do. Any, <laughs> any advice? Hey, you are to me anyway. Any advice to someone who may be right. watching and, you know, want to get into this sort of career path? Yes, the biggest piece of advice I can ever give somebody is you have to create a demo reel. You can have a 4.0 GPA in college. You can be the best stinking student on campus. If you walk out of those doors without a demo reel to show anybody, you're not going to get a job. Can I don't send care. Me your demo reel? Share it with us. Sure. I'm happy yes, to. Please. Let me see what I can find. I usually just keep um, – I just have samples of my work. I don't, have, I don't physically, I guess, because – kind of like where I'm at now have like a full-blown demo reel I just yeah. keep like samples of like my college baseball work big leagues you yeah. know like basketball and stuff I do for ACC Network Extra but I'm telling you it dude these phones yo they keep really good audio quality broadcast the game you can sit at Lone Depot Park and broadcast the game yeah whatever you want to do whether it's uh college campus I'm telling you you have to come out of school with a demo reel because you know what if I'm hiring like interns that I've had in the past, you can't be a total dummy, but I don't care about your GPA. Right. Like what? I don't care if you flunked history one-on-one who cares. <laughs> like if you're passionate about broadcasting and doing baseball or whatever sport, but I can't hear anything you do. What do you want me to do? Like give you a chance? Like, no, I'm going to give a chance to somebody that actually has a real. Yeah. Facts. I, I used to do the same thing. Actually, I used to put the game on mute and I used to have a voice memo. There you go. If you play. want to practice. Hey, Glenn used to say that it tells tells me this all the time. Like, you know, when, when he was younger. Right. Like when he first started, a lot of people, you mute the TV, you call the game, you have packs of cards. I, I mean, Glenn used to say you like line out the cards in the baseball packs or whatever and call like games that way. Like use your imagination, especially on radio. That's why I love radio. You can use your imagination, exactly. you know, Um. TV's a little different, but yeah, like number one practice and number two, if you're serious about it, you have to develop some type of reel that people can listen to you and be like, yeah, they sound good or they need more practice or whatever. Yep. And that's, I think the perfect way to close it out from Kyle and Isaac. We'll see you guys all in the next one. Peace out and go Marlins.